forget whatever you've seen in the movies. They don't turn into bats. Crosses don't work. Garlic? Want to try garlic? You stand there with garlic around your neck. One of these buggers will bend you fucking over and take a walk up your strata chocolata while he's sucking the blood out of your neck, all right? Baby, I need some action tonight! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of The Action Returns. This is episode number 17. I'm your host, Brian. And with me, as always, is my brother, Nez. What's up, man? Yo, man, what's going on up there? Cold. A lot of snow. It's been snowing for like two days. Ah, it's first snow hit us uh, last night. And uh, it's, yeah, it was fucking like 80 degrees last week and then now it's like in the 30s ah we never get like weeks of like where it's just nice and cool it just goes from hot to cold that's the only thing i hate about being up here but yeah it is what it is other than that man, yeah it, it, yeah it's that time up here for it to snow i i kind of I thought we would have got it last month but uh it's here and it ain't going nowhere, so got to deal with it. But uh, wrestling talk. You watch NXT's uh, Halloween Havoc? No, I have not. Uh, well, uh, I watched a little bit of uh, my girl Rhea Ripley. Uh, some of the highlights of that match. That that's about it. I've been meaning to watch it, and I just. Got caught up with some other shit, man. But was, is is it good? Yeah, it's uh, a better product than what's going on in on the main shows. Uh, with with the exception, I still like what they're doing with Roman Reigns and the whole heel turn. But yeah, NXT's uh, Halloween Havoc was uh, I, I liked it from uh, start to beginning or start to finish. All right, cool. I'm off to. Definitely check that out. I have it on the docket for me to to watch it, but I just I don't know. I'm still in horror mode <laughs> for for October. Uh, just trying to get yeah. through the rest of the the Friday Thirteenth series with my son, and uh, he's digging all of it. And uh, nice. I said, "All right, we're next one we're watching is uh, the worst one." Uh, Jason goes to hell, but uh i kind of have a feeling he's gonna like it i mean just he's new to the franchise so uh i don't know i mean he liked everything so far it wasn't never like yeah that one was all right now he was like no nah, i was good so i'm like all right so i don't know I, i'll let him watch this next one and then uh see what he has to say before i rip into it <laughs> all right uh yeah let's get into these movies uh Apologies, everybody. Uh, this one was supposed to come out last month, but uh, 31 days. Man, we was, uh, <laughs> seems like we was cranking them out like every other night. And then over over on the Horror Returns, uh, me and Lance were doing our recaps. I think I watched close to 75 movies in October. So I don't think I did that much. I think I hit the 50 mark, but I mean, we covered... 31 of them and then uh, extra stuff I watched and uh, new things I came across and some other crap 
uh, the, the, oh, really quick. Um, there's a new one in the theater. Um, I think you were watching it the other day. Um, oh, come play. Is it any good? It's, um, I talked about it on the show. It's, it's not bad. I, I would say I, I recommend it to people that are trying to slowly get their kids into horror. Cause it's okay. not, it's not too much for kids. Okay. And, uh, it, it, it's out there. Oh uh, yeah. I saw that. So <laughs> that, that's why, uh, I'm still, I'm still not ready to brave the theater, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see. All right. <laughs> All right, let's get started with the first one, which is uh shit, my fucking notes just went away. John Carpenter's Vampires. Time to kill some vampires. A showdown is about to begin between the soldiers of the day and the army of the night. <laughs> James Woods. My baby. John Carpenter's Vampires. Rated R. All right. John Carpenter's Vampires uh, came out in 1998. uh, Directed by uh, John Carpenter. Produced by Sandy King. Screenplay by Don Jacoby. This stars uh, James Woods, Daniel Baldwin, Cheryl Lee, uh... Terry Silver from Karate Kid 3. Yep. Maximilian Schnell. Tim Genie, I think that's how you say his name. And there was a bunch of other people. Mark Boone Jr. Uh, I can't say I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Kerry Hirakuya Tagawa. There was a lot of people that, that you might recognize popping up in other movies. Uh, music done by John Carpenter. What did you think? John, John Carpenter's Vampires. Uh, this was one that I saw it like right at the very end of its run. Um, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't look like it was going to be much to me because I was kind of just like, eh, this is this ain't uh, 80s John Carpenter. Um, so I went and seen it. Mike was one, dude, you gotta see it, you gotta see it. So I was like, ah, all right, I'll, I'll go check it out. Uh, I went, I know when I went in there, it was just me, there was no one else in there. And uh, I left the theater like, fuck, man, that was hella good. Why, why did I wait so long? Why did I, why did I doubt John Carpenter? First of all, I was kind of like slapping myself as I'm watching this film, and I'm like, oh man, and I was like, fuck. Um, the only problem I had with it was. Um, the vampire team, um, James Woods's vampire slayer guys, because they sucked. Yeah, I mean, maybe this that was the end of their story because it's like they got took out like hella quick, and I was like, oh man, I was like. I mean, even watching it this 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 last rewatch, I was kind of like, okay, I know what's gonna happen, but I was like, I kind of still wanted it to let me maybe go to the middle of the movie before you lose everybody, and I was kind of like, oh man, because yeah, you had all kinds of fucking cool ass guys. You had Shang Tsung in there, and he was like 
hardly or just barely did anything. And Bobby from uh, fucking Sons of Anarchy <laughs> and uh, Rollo from uh, <clears throat> from Sanford and Son. I mean, uh, not Rollo. Uh, what the fuck was his name? He was the the father father Giovanni. Um, what the hell was his name in Sanford? Uh, now it's gonna. Uh, kill um, trying to. Yeah, I gotta go way back. I gotta hit the seventies. I'm way in the eighties. Um, he was uh, one of Lamont's friends, and he popped up in a, in a ton of shit too. Um, pretty sure it was Sanford and Son. Yeah, it was. I'm trying to find it. Uh, <clears throat> some of you younger listeners probably have no idea what we're talking about. It was an old show in the seventies. I know he popped up. Oh, here you go. Uh, Julio uh, was his name. And, and, uh, there you go. But, I mean, it was cool to see everybody uh, in it. I mean, the much uh, younger versions uh, of themselves. But I wanted this team to last longer. It just wasn't. It's like they started off and they, they all look bad. I mean, just look at the poster itself, man. You got James Wood and the whole crew standing there all fucking just armed to the teeth crossbows and guns and spears and everything else they had and then they only we only got to see one uh takedown <laughs> but i mean but other than that i mean i i enjoy this film i loved uh uh the practical effects i mean cgi was going strong uh early early cgi but it wasn't uh i don't think he did any in this that that i caught but um I enjoyed every everything. James Woods, man, he's he's a good actor. I mean, not his personal life is is all wacky and crazy, but um, I liked him in this. Daniel Baldwin, he's one of the the Baldwins. I mean, you know you know him when you see him, but he's uh, I know he's done a lot, but I, I think this is probably my favorite film that he had done. Uh, but uh, Terry Silver, uh, Thomas Ian uh, Griffith, uh, he's a uh, uh, Valak. I thought he was badass. Um, how do you how do you say the uh, the other father that was um, that uh, teamed up with them after the whole team got killed? Uh, well, after the Vatican guys told him, "Here, you got you need someone else to go with you." It was Adam Yitu or I, I don't know. I couldn't pronounce his last name. I thought they just called him father throughout most of it. Yeah, we'll just go with that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, in the end, um, this movie was badass. I mean, I, I loved it. Uh, I got the last of the uh, Twilight Time Blu-rays before it went out of print, and I knew it wasn't going to be out of print very long because then Shout Factory, Scream Factory, uh, put one out, and uh, the guy, the kind of collector I am, I kind of want to get that one too because I, I love the uh, the the little art. Um, not the poster art, the the art that Shout Shout Factory and those guys do when they when they re put out movies. So I like that cover. Mm-hmm. I think it looks pretty sweet. So I'll probably uh, if I find it somewhere, uh, I'll pick it up. But other than that, man, this this film was badass. Man, I loved everything. I was not impressed with the second one, but I mean nothing against uh, John Bon Jovi, but no, uh, no, it it didn't have it. <laughs> uh, I know the. John Carpenter got a check, but nah. Did you see that one? 
No, when I saw Bon Jovi was in there, it's kind of like, nah. <laughs> what did you think of this one? Um, I didn't. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I remember really liking it when I first seen it back back uh, in '98. But um, it, this rewatch, uh, it was my first rewatch in like years. Um, yeah, I had the same problem with the crew, you know, other than that first little, uh, little 10, 15 minutes of the movie where they're going into one of the, what were they calling it? Nest of the, the vampires and getting them, which they didn't even really do much in there. It, it seemed like mostly like a couple people and it seemed like their team was way too big for what they were doing. And yeah, I thought I thought everybody else was fine. You know, I'm not a big fan of James Woods because he's a piece of trash. But <laughs> um, I thought the chick was fine. Uh, Cheryl Lee as uh, Katrina. She had a couple nice scenes laying on the bed naked. Yeah, we'll get to that but, in a minute. <laughs> okay. Um, I did not know for years that that was Terry Silver. Like, I, I think somebody had told me, it was like, oh, that's Terry Silver from Karate Kid 3. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, shit. Um, I like the practical effects in there. There were some good kills, um, especially with uh, Bobby from uh, Sons of Anarchy. He had a good death scene. And, um, yeah, I like the whole story of basically the they're, they're trying to be like Blade. They're trying to be Daywalkers. Because the, the the ceremony was never completed, and I dug all of that. But yeah, really dug this one. And and of course, uh, when you hear the music, you definitely know it's John Carpenter. Yeah, man. I mean, the music. I mean, every every all the music that John Carpenter does in his films are badass. Um, the budget for this was twelve or twenty million, and it only boxed the domestic box office. They only made. Uh, well, they made their money back with a a little bit of change, twenty point three million. I'm like, did nobody go see this one? I mean, I think that was probably why I didn't rush out to see it. Um, because I was kind of like, eh, okay. I mean, it it was mainly James Woods is, is what uh, kind of kept me away uh, from it. I mean, he's done a bunch of good movies. I mean, I I liked him, but uh, once you once uh, well, it was pre-internet i guess i don't know he just started uh getting a little wacky but i don't know to each his own uh plus um with uh with with these films i mean the one the film we got right before this was escape from la and uh you guys you guys (laughs) heard that one already um i think he started to lose me with uh uh Village of the Damned. I mean, I love it now. I mean, a lot of these films, but this is, you know, I'm talking about the Young Nez back in 95. And I remember like, oh, John Carpenter, because I was all about him in the 80s, like we all were. But then when the Mouth of Madness came out, I was excited. And I was like, I, I still don't understand that movie. <laughs> uh, then Village of the Damned came out, uh, another remake he tackled, which I, I love. I mean, I love it now. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Christopher Reeve, uh, the real Superman. Everybody, uh, it's even got Luke Skywalker in there. Um, so I was kind of like, yeah, okay, he's 
he's getting older. And then I was like, all right, I mean, Village of the Dam was what it was. I mean, not like now. I love that film. But when Escape from L.A. came out, uh, I mentioned that on the show. We went in there juiced. And then I was like, what the fuck is this? But it's still <laughs> it's still in my library. <laughs> uh, then Vampires came out. So I was kind of like, eh, okay, I'll, I'll see it when I see it. Because I, I wasn't hearing much about it. That, oh, man, it's hella good. You got to go see it. Mike was the only one that hyped it up to me, and I trust Mike. So I was like, you know what? All right, cool. I'll go see it. So I went and seen it, and then I was like, eh, okay. I mean, I, I appreciate it after once it hit cable and, uh, and DVD and VHS and all that. And I'm like, all right, I, I have them. I have it. And then Blu-ray and all that. So, But um, I, I still enjoy the film. I mean, I, I love it for what it is. Um, is it John Carpenter's best? No. But no, I mean, it, for, for what it is, I mean, if you're a John Carpenter fan, you'll love this film. Um, oh, excuse me. I mean, I loved the story. And, and yeah, it was like, like Brian said, it's basically uh, a blade type of thing. I mean, you got Valak. He was uh, um, he used to be a priest way back in the day. Uh, and then he was supposed to go through some kind of exorcism ritual that was supposed to make him into the ultimate vampire uh, to where he can walk in the sunlight, be, be a day walker. Uh, I liked all that, but the whole ceremony was botched, so he never really got to complete it. Uh, he was the outcast because he he was a former priest, but then he got out, outcast for for what he was trying to do. And uh, he was apparently well in this story, he was the original vampire, the very first one uh, before uh, everything goes on. And I assume did they say what year that took place? I know they mentioned it, but I I, I don't remember. Do you? No, nah, I don't remember. It was like way back in the day. So, and then um, with uh, James Woods' character, uh, J- uh, Jack Crow, uh, he just uh, formed his whole team uh, to become vampire vampire slayers. And he, he was working with the Vatican because it says uh, a team of Vatican-sponsored vampire hunters led by Jack, Jack Crow uh, is, is how, how we start the film. And, and they end up in... Uh, New Mexico, and they they find a, a nest is what they kept calling them. Um, what I loved uh, about uh, Jack's character, other than he was just just a fast talking smart ass. I mean, I loved his backstory because his backstory was that uh, his father was a, a vampire, but he was kind of keeping it secret. But he ended up uh, killing his mom, uh, Jack's mom, in front of him. So I think that's uh, all that and uh, really got to him. So he kind of dedicated his life as uh, to being a vampire slayer. So I thought I, th- I loved that little backstory that they were talking, as well as the, the backstory for, for Valak. I mean, I really liked uh, what, what he was trying to do. Um, I mean, I mentioned the, the practical effects. I, I think that's what I love the most. I mean, there was a lot of blood in this and everything, but. When uh, when uh, Jack and his crew, when they roll into that uh, to that old place, uh, uh, I don't know what it was, we a warehouse or something. But when they rolled in there, I loved what they did because uh, you had uh, Montoya, uh, Daniel Baldwin's character. He was outside uh, with his uh, with his little Jeep rig with one of those little uh, tow things with a steel cable. And what they were doing is Jack was shooting in uh, uh, like arrows with hooks on them into the into the vampires that they were catching and then he would radio Montoya and then they would pull him outside and into the sunlight. 
I think that was what I loved the most about the practical effects. I loved how when the vampires uh, would light up, it was like big flames of, uh, or just big, like it seemed like jet flames would shoot out, yeah. Of their, yeah. out of their elbows. I loved all that. It always came out of their elbow, their, their forearms first. It's like, because when they were blocking the sun, uh, from uh, blocking their eyes from the sun, and then their arms would catch fire. And uh, I thought that was like they had like road flares or something in the arms. So I loved how all of that. And again, I mean, the whole team was badass. I mean, I loved uh, the, all the characters. I'm surprised they didn't get um, that one dude from Big Trouble in Little China, and he was in Die Hard. Uh, what's his name? Leon. Um, Al Leon. Yeah, him. I'm surprised he wasn't in this. Because of a lot of these guys that were on the team, you've seen them in other films. I mean, they yeah. have those faces like, oh, that's that guy. I mean, you never know their names, but... So, I mean, I liked uh, the story on what they were doing and how they were trying to hunt uh, down this master. But I think at this point, they didn't know who uh, who Valak was because later is when, is when the priest told them uh, who he was and, and told them the, the backstory of him. So I loved I loved all of that, um, but uh, the other thing that kind of made me laugh is um, when as as the story goes on in Valak because uh, he's he's losing his vampires uh, left and right with, with Jack and the crew, but the uh, Valak uh, gets uh, some more masters. He get like he gets like seven more. Uh, masters that are, I don't know, I assume they were spread out all throughout the world, but then he radioed him and they, they came in to help him out. <laughs> what I loved about them is uh, vampires in the late 90s must have carried a lot of uh, Aquanet hairspray because all of them had big hair. <laughs> I mean, especially uh, Valak, uh, Terry Silver. Um, he had this just pimp ass, looked like a, a velvet uh cloak or something i don't know what the hell he was wearing and his oh, hair was the, all nice and feathered out and everything yeah the, the i like how he after the nest was raided like he came out of the ground because he was for some reason sleeping in the dirt and was not dirty after that and the hair was all nice so yeah he must have kept some with him because yeah, he must have had a dust buster or something with him. Because, yeah, every, when he came out of the dirt, he was all hella dirty. But then when they show him walking away, he's all nice, spiffy, and clingy. <laughs> so, uh, I, don't, I don't know. But I, that, that's what I loved, too. Because after they went and raided that first house uh, and they killed them all, and they said, oh, well, we couldn't find no master or anything. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's all of them. Let's get out of here. Uh, I loved how once the sun went down, um, they you, we go to the outside it's an outside shot of the the place they just uh, exterminated all the vampires from. You see just these arms come out of the ground, and then here comes Valak crawling out of the ground. I love that because I, it's, it made it seem like uh, all his whole vampire crew stayed inside uh, down in the basement, and he always kept himself outside. So I thought that was pretty sweet. I liked that he didn't need a coffin. Like, like I assume they just had big dark rooms in there. That they were all hiding in, but his was like I went. He would have to go bury himself outside, which was cool, man. I mean, you're you're not gonna go looking around outside uh, for vampires, so I I loved that part of the thing. But after they raid that first house or that first building or whatever they went into, 
uh, all the guys and, and Jack and them were all, let's go celebrate. They ended up going to some little roadside uh, motel, uh, getting a lot of beer. And I'm sure smoke was there. And then they brought in all these hookers. <laughs> now, now, that was a party. <laughs> yeah, uh, organized by the sheriff. Oh, that's right. He was in there. <laughs> he was standing against the wall drinking. And, uh, he, he brought them all in. I mean, these are just... the. I assume they were all just strippers. Just loaded up the car and brought them all because they... Well, all those guys were paying them, so, but then there were just naked girls laying all over the place and guys just, just having at it. Um, yeah, it was a weird combination of girls because some looked like they was like the real deal. They just got them off the street. And then some of them just looked like regular nice girls. Yeah, I mean, they were like... You could see the ones that were all rough and tough and beat down straight from the street, and the other <laughs> ones were probably maybe the the cleaned up ones were more of the 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 dancers, <laughs> and, and those other rough ones were from right from the street corners. But um, I love this man because uh, I thought this this is probably one of my favorite scenes uh, dealing with um, practical effects with with blood and everything. Uh, like Brian mentioned, uh, for those of you that know Bobby from Sons of Anarchy. Um, uh, Valet comes uh, strolling up to the motel and he opens up the door because I think he wanted to go get more beer or something. Yeah. And then he's standing there and then Valet just jams his hand. Uh, and Valet's got long fingernails. Jams it in, into, uh, I don't know his name, but Bobby is what we're calling him. He jammed it into him and then pulled it up and like just from the somewhere maybe right above his stomach and just sliced them all the way up, came out of his shoulder. I loved uh, that practical effect because then he just like split apart. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. And then he went to commence into just fucking killing everybody that was in there. So I thought that was awesome. Um, was it he? Oh, he was just like pulling fools' throats out and throwing them all over the place, right? Yeah, he was ripping throats, uh, snapping necks, and they were. Uh, Basically, there was uh, some people was killing their own people because they was shooting guns in there, and it's just going through him. He's using hookers as shields and all kinds of stuff. And this is where I was just kind of like, this crew is not really badass because I <laughs> panicked immediately. Yeah, it was like they looked badass, but. I mean, this one, well, to give him that, I mean, he was a master, but he just rolled straight in, straight in there and just took everyone out. And I'm sure everyone was drunk uh, as well. That can uh, that can uh, slow you down, too. But uh, I was like, all right. I mean, I if you're going to be a vampire slayer, you should just always be ready. Because when when uh, Valak rolls in, he yeah uh, he just rolling in, snapping necks and just sw- I'm watching it right now, and he's just swiping <laughs> hands and and slicing his throats and hookers are just screaming everywhere and he uh, he just jamming his arms through everybody, and uh, the girls are all running because he's just tearing their throats out. Uh, for all the blood that that was happening in this scene, I mean he didn't have none on him. <laughs> but all right <laughs> other than his hand for tearing into a few of them uh and uh i don't know what motel this is but these rooms are hella big so 
I don't know. <laughs> it's a movie. Uh, I did love uh, how he grabbed that one hooker when that one dude pulled out a machine gun and started uh, uh, blasting him. And then she just took all the all the bullets. Uh, and then James Woods comes running in and for some reason diving onto the to the to the dresser <laughs> shooting. And uh, he doesn't know what's happening. Oh, well, he grabs his uh, his crossbow. Yeah, after he pulls it out of his leg. Was this like the most violent scene in the whole film? Uh, yeah, I would have to say. I mean, there's 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 the end, but it wasn't as you know. There's not decapitations and people getting split in half as as there was in the in the beginning here. So yeah, this this probably was the most violent scene. Because I mean, my, I think my favorite killing is other other than Bobby is when he grabs uh, Valak grabs uh, uh, the priest that's in there. All right, really quick. Uh, the priests they do that vow of uh, I'm not gonna look at look at women or touch them or anything. Why was he standing in there just drinking and partying and watching all these dudes get down with these girls? I don't know, maybe whatever floats your boat. But Valak grabs that guy and because uh, the the priest came at him with a shotgun, and then Valak just grabs a shotgun, put holds it under his neck, and then pulls the trigger. I wish they would have showed it, but they didn't. You just see. You hear the the shotgun blast, and then you just see blood splatter all over the ceiling. So I thought that one was pretty sweet. But um, yeah, I think there, there's more uh, carnage throughout the film, but I think this was probably like the the biggest uh, bloody mess of uh, just him rolling in there by himself because uh, the rest of the violence was just uh, them killing the vampires. I mean, other than stabbing, yeah. stabbing them in the hearts and then dragging them outside and they, and they burn on fire. Um, well, wait a minute. Okay, let me go back a little bit. Right before Valak goes in there and just starts killing everyone, he uh, he grabbed, what's her name? Uh, Katrina, one of the hookers. Yeah. All right, here's a question. Um, was he going down on her? I don't know. I, I That's what I thought. I thought he went down on her, and then he was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna bite you here because I'm already down here." <laughs> so, and I, and I, I love this. I love the way he was up on the ceiling in the corner with his arms outspread. Yeah, kind of reminded me of that one movie. Um, <sighs> Once bitten. No, <laughs> was it the Haunting Connecticut <laughs> when uh, he was hiding up on the ceiling? I think it was that one. I don't know one one of those one of those movies, but yeah, he looked badass. How he was just hovering up in the corner, and then when she came in, he jumped down. And uh, I assume he was going down on her because she was uh, moaning around and everything. And then and then he bit her. Um, I think th- this is the reason I I came up with. I mean, I think the reason that he bit her like in the she he bit her in the leg. He didn't bite her on the on the vajayjay. Um, I think he bit her there to to hide it because when uh, after we don't know that I, this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I think that because once uh, um, uh, Jack and Montoya when they got her outside, they were like, "Is she bit?" And they were checking her neck, and they said, "Nah, she's fine." And then I, later on, they found out uh, uh, this, where she was bit. I think it was when uh, they got to that mo- that hotel and. He was laying. She was laying there naked for some reason. 
And I don't know why. I, that seemed that I think that was like the only way that he saw it, or I, I don't know. But that that's what I came up with uh, on this last rewatch. But yeah, after he did all that with her with Katrina, that's when he rolled into the room and just started fucking just killing everyone because. Uh, Jack tells Montoya, look, you just take her and go to the rendezvous uh, at the hotel and uh, I'll come meet, meet up with you guys later on. And then that's when Jack goes back into the, to the hotel or the motel and, uh, he has to kill all the bodies or, or just basically stab all the bodies. Uh, there must've been what? 10, 15 of bodies in there. I mean, the team probably, and all the girls, probably more, probably more. Because he had to go in there and uh, stab them all in the heart. And then he didn't bury them, did he? He just left them all in there and burned them all, right? Yeah, he cut the heads off, threw them in the sack, and then lit the hotel on fire. Oh, that's right. Because when he was driving down the road, he just threw the the heads in that little uh, little crevice in the dirt and then kind of buried them. So... That was in. I mean, that was how he he took out all the crew because he didn't want any of them uh, coming back. But then again, would they have come back? Because he didn't really bite anyone. He was just like tearing his throats out and breaking their necks and putting holes in them. But I don't know. Maybe a uh, a scratch from a vampire will turn you. So the rest of the story. Yeah, I think it was more like protocol. Yeah. I think the rest of the story from here on from here on out is uh, Jack and Montoya and Katrina. Uh, they they figured out Katrina has some kind of psychic link with uh, Valak because she can see where he's been and, and what's around me. And when they were talking, to her, well, what do you see? What do you see? She starts, oh, I see this uh, a sign to some town that they were going to. And, and, and I see this. And then they're like, all right. So they're kind of figuring out on how. Um, how to track him down by, by by using her. But this whole time she is just kind of like um like a drug addict hurting because she's just not not feeling well and she, she doesn't know what's going on. I mean they, they did tell her you got bit by a vampire, so you're just gonna have to ride it out. So but and then they uh they had to team up uh with another father because when when they talked to I think it was uh Cardinal Alba they told him well here uh we're going to give you this guy cuz uh, he needs to go with you. Um why I mean why did they have to have a a priest with them? Because the the guy in the beginning the one that got his head blown off was that just to bless them and all that? Because before they went in there and shot up, or before they went and got killed all those vampires in the beginning, he like blessed them all before they all went in. Was it just something like that? Yeah, I think it was part of that. And also, I assume they're the ones that report back to the Vatican. All right. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, because he did have to uh, report in. I mean, I think... Jack and the and the rest of the gang were just along for the ride, killing everyone. But, um, I mean, throughout the rest of the film, they were they were finding more vampires. Uh, Katrina was still, well, she was helping them uh, along the way, but then she uh, it it kind of like got to the point where it just took over her because she she ended up biting uh, Montoya, or she bit him on the arm first, but then uh, later on when she became like. Full vampires when she uh, tore into his neck, but um, 
as as the movie went on that that this is when jack he 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 kind of was finding out more on who valak was and uh what they were doing i love the scene when uh when he first uh, when jack first talks to uh uh the new father that's with him when he's telling me have you ever do you know uh, anything about vampires and he was kind of like no it, it's the clip i threw at the beginning of, the, of this episode everyone it's it's that whole scene but uh i had to edit it a little bit because he said uh, a word that uh, some people it's not right to say <laughs> and that's why i just I, I just edited that word out of it so i, I didn't want to put that in there so didn't want to offend anybody different time yeah different times everybody especially in the late 90s but I loved that whole scene uh, of uh, the dialogue that uh, James Wood had. But after, how how did he get caught? I don't even remember. Remember Jack got uh, caught by Valak. Yeah, it was the uh, I think uh, when they tried to. I think it was later in when they met in that town because the Valak went to get that, uh, what was it, the Black Cross to finish the the ritual. And I guess uh, it was uh, Montoya, Crow, and the, 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 the priest. They were teaming up to go get um, their, uh, what was it? Oh, and they, they were all in the underground in that uh, hotel, in the jail. And they were doing, basically doing the same way that they got the uh, vampires out in the beginning. And I think uh, shit just kind of went haywire and he ended up getting caught while Montoya drove off. That's when Montoya got bit for the second time. Yeah, because um, when they went into that one, when they were when they were going down uh, into the to the basement, that's when uh, they found out that there was uh, more masters uh, because all the other vampires, the ones that they were, they were turned were just like regular normal people in, in the regular street well if you were a master it must have been a um, a requirement to wear a, a black suit <laughs> so because uh other than valak and, and his little gear he was wearing uh, all the other the other seven masters that were there um there was guys and gals they were all in black uh in like suits like tuxedo type looking things or i, I don't know but i mean i thought they looked sweet Though, because that that one scene when he after he uh, he after Valet got them all, and they all came out of the ground, and then they were just what was like, uh, it was just about to be dark, and you can see them all walking. You got these uh, Valet leading, and you got these other seven uh, people in the in the in the suits behind them. I thought they all looked pretty sweet, but yeah that whole scene when they when they were trying to get them bring them up because they they were doing the same thing that they've been working on they were shooting them with the crossbow and spearing them and dragging them out but uh the masters have a lot more strength because one of them that they shot he uh he grabbed like a post or something and then uh while they were trying to pull him out the the cable broke so they're like, oh, fuck. So that's when Jack went and jumped on him. I, I love that scene because he just like he pulled out a sidearm and just un- like unloading him in his face. <laughs> and then Montoya was outside. He grabbed that cable, wrapped it around the car and just pulled him out. And then he he blew up. So I thought I thought all that was pretty sweet. But yeah, then that's when uh, they they just got, got kind of overrun and Jack got uh captured and Montoya and Katrina took off as well. And the father, he kind of just like jumped in the back and hid uh, wherever they were. I can't remember because when Jack wakes up, 
he's like uh, tied up and then uh, Valak is trying to explain to him what was going on and what, what he wanted that cross for. And then this is when uh, Cardinal Alba shows up. And Jack Jack is like, what the fuck? And then he, because he tells him, look, man, he goes, he, uh, Cardinal Alba basically just said, I'm here to perform the ritual to turn Valak into a daywalker. Um, I'm just, he kind of like, just basically, he was a non-believer anymore. Uh, he was getting to, he was getting up there in age and he was getting scared of death. And uh, he made this deal with Val, like, look, man, I, I'll, I'll finish the exorcism uh, that'll uh, transform you into a daywalker. And then you bite me and then I'll become a daywalker and we'll live happily ever after. So that was the main you reason. Think he, Go ahead. You think he would have kept up with his deal? I don't think so. I think he would have killed him. I just figured, I mean, Valak was one of those guys that was using him because, um, I mean, all the masters, they were all, I assume, were born vampires and he would have just been another one that was turned. So I don't know. I, I think he would have pretty much, he would probably would have just killed him uh, as soon as uh, the ritual was done. So uh, they needed the blood of, of a crusader because way back in those days, that's that's what they were using. Uh, Jack technically was a crusader because he was the one trying to stop all the vampires. So they said, well, we'll kill him, sacrifice him, use his blood. You got the black cross and uh, we'll I'll perform the, the ritual and everything will be good. So but uh, Montoya showed up, right? Him and uh, <clears throat> and the father. That's right, because uh, the father, um, he loaded up with a shotgun and he just, he was up on the roof, and when they were starting the ritual, uh, uh, Cardinal Alba turned around, and uh, the other father, the younger priest, he he blasted him, so he killed him, and then they were kind of like, well, you can't, the, the, that father was like, well, you can't continue the ritual now, because there's no one here going to do it, and Valak goes, well, you can do it, and he goes, well, I'm not going to do it, and then he kind of like put that shotgun to his head, and it was getting, he was just basically going to kill himself, so he couldn't do it. Was he going to kill Jack in front of him? Is that why the the, the father kind of just gave in? I think so. I think he was going to he was going to kill Jack and he gave in and then here comes Montoya with his with his Baldwin strength driving <laughs> driving one-handed shooting a crossbow which this scene always made me laugh because when when that when that uh cable Yanks that cross. That is clearly not James Wood on there. It is a dummy. <laughs> I mean, it didn't. I mean, you were expecting uh, a big giant showdown at the end. I mean, yeah, the other masters all got pretty much wiped out and everything, but it wasn't much because once uh, Valak and him and Jack had their final showdown. Um, the sun was getting ready to come up, so I assume that was the part of the ritual to uh, do it right before sunrise. Because once uh, Valak kind of chases Jack in into that uh, one of those buildings that they were in, he uh, Jack grabs the the black cross and stabs it into uh, Valak, and then uh, okay, the sun was up by then. How did they? Did he? Did he shoot into the and bring in the sunlight? I can't remember how he brought the sunlight in. I think he knocked a 
post over. He he like tackled a post and like so, some boards came down and light started shining in. I think that's what happened. Oh, that's right. Because he yeah he stabbed him with that thing, so he was pretty much trying to deal with that. That's why he ran and tackled that 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 beam, and then the whole roof caved in, and all the sun came pouring in, and then well he started lit on fire, and then he blew up. I wasn't really satisfied with that ending because it like happened so fast. It was like kind of give a give us a little, another few more minutes of fighting because it, it didn't. It seemed like he went in there, stabbed him, boom, tackled the thing, then he blew up, and then that was it. I was kind of, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. It, it, you know, he took out the whole entire team, a bunch of hookers and the sheriff, and then he can't, he can't take Jack Crow by himself. It was kind of, yeah, it was kind of a lame ending. I think they they blew their load in the beginning of this movie. Yeah, because I mean, the only special effects really, other than him being stabbed, but was when he blew up. Uh, and that was it. So I was kind of like, oh, but all right, whatever movie. Um, so he's dead. Evil is punished. Well, at this point, uh, Jack goes outside and he's talking to Montoya. Montoya, I mean, he was kind of rough and tough, man, because when he got uh, when he got bit uh, in the neck, he he got that little uh, little submachine gun and just fired it in the air. The barrel got all hot and he went just burned his neck. Well, I guess you do what you got to do to stop the blood. How did he fall in love so quick? I, I don't know, man. I mean, he, he kissed her once. Um, I don't know. Maybe when he, he stripped her naked and had her tied up on the bed, he was looking at that ass. I mean, that I don't know. I mean, he's maybe he doesn't get quick. doesn't get much women when he's out on the road. But uh, I don't know why he wasn't in there with the rest of the guys in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> And just having at it with whoever, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't like that part of the story either. It was, it was too quick. I mean, she was basically dying the whole time, and I guess he did feel sorry for her, but they never really explained why he felt sorry for her. But I don't know. But Montoya is, is sitting out in the in the jeep, all beat up. Uh, he's got her in the back because she already turned full, pretty much full vampire, so she was out of the sunlight. And then uh, Jack and Montoya were talking, and he told him, like, look, man, I gave you uh, two days uh, of uh, my protection and my loyalty to you. So can you at least just give us a couple days? And then that's when Jack goes, yeah, look, I'm going to give you guys a couple days, and but then I'm going to come find you. So go on, get out of here. I'll deal with you later. And then they, they end up driving off and. Jack and the father kind of looked at each other. I mean, because they didn't kill all the vampires. Uh, it wasn't like Lost Boys. You kill the head vampire, then the rest of them uh, turn back in or, or die. But uh, I assume they wiped out all the masters because those seemed to be the ones that, that they were fighting with the most. And that was another thing I had a problem with. I mean, it was just Jack and, and, and the father and Montoya, which didn't do much because he couldn't. Again, these masters are, are like really strong, and they all took them out hella easy. But I don't know. I, I didn't write the movie. But <laughs> so they go into the into Montoya and Katrina drive off. Jack and and the father walk in talking shit, and then they just basically go and uh, I assume killed all the other vampires that were in there, and then 
That was your movie. Uh, I loved it all except for the ending. I thought it just kind of wrapped up too quick and, and too easy. Would you? Yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you. It uh, ending wasn't as good as it started out to be, and enjoyed most of the cast. Um, I I will say my my now talking about it. Uh, my one of my other gripes would be uh, Montoya's uh, love story because he he was a hard ass up until. It seems like when you're right, when he stripped her naked in the in the hotel and then all of a sudden he's in love off of one kiss and seeing her naked and he's ready to go be a vampire for the rest of his life, knowing that Jack Crow is going to hunt him down to the day that he dies. Uh, Could have did without that. But, um, yeah, I, I think this is, uh, of, of course, not the top of John Carpenter's filmography, but it I would put it like right there in the middle. Yeah, um, it wouldn't be one of my favorites. I mean, he John Carpenter has done so many uh, awesome films up to this point. Because uh, when did The Ward come out? Was that in the 2000s? Well, I guess it had to have been. Yeah, it was like 2002. I've seen that once. I don't, I don't even remember that one at all. Trash. Uh, <laughs> Uh yeah, two no, two thousand ten is when that one came out. Shit, ten years ago. Oh wow. Uh all right, shit. I mean, I guess I guess uh vampires and then a couple years later he we he's doing the next movie we talk we're talking about. Uh I know he did some Masters of Horror stuff. Um I've seen them, but I, I don't even remember those ones at all. Uh the ward. Uh, who was in that? I mean, uh, what's her name? Oh, the crazy chick. <sighs> I, I don't like what she did to Johnny Depp and none of my business, but uh, I like her. I mean, I think she's hot, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, two ages old, everybody. Um, I'm gonna have to find this one. I think I have all of John Carver's movies, but this one. Um, the completest I am. Yeah. I guess. I guess I'll buy it. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a reason you don't have it. Because <laughs> I saw it once. I remember when, when it was like, oh, sweet, John Carpenter's got a new movie coming out. It never hit the theater. Well, it didn't hit any of the theaters uh, around here. I uh, other means uh, is when, when it hit that is, is when I watched it, and then I was kind of like, is that it? But um, yeah, it it. When you watch it, it's so you just get this feeling of this is not John Carpenter. I'm gonna have to rewatch it because I I don't remember anything about it. I, I didn't even re- remember that Amber Heard was in it, but uh, and in an uh, into an institutionalized young woman comes becomes terrorized by a ghost. Okay, I don't even remember that much, <laughs> but. <laughs> ah, I guess I'll have to do it next year for 31 Days of Horror as soon as I find it. <laughs> but yeah, Vampires 1998. Um, it was streaming on Amazon, but then once uh, November hit, all, a lot of the horror films just went right back to rentals. So I'm like, ah, but I already owned it. So I'm like, I needed to see it. But 
Um, other means, uh, if you guys don't want to rent it, uh, it, it, it's there. So mm -hmm. Definitely check it out. But you got a plan B? Yeah, it's the same as plan A. You got any fresh ideas? Yeah, what we should have done in the first place. Shit! Come on, you mindless motherfuckers! Alright everybody, on to the next film. Again, John Carpenter. And this is John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. Police officer, anybody there? We've got a situation here. On August 24th. My job is to bring you back to stand trial. I ain't going back! The prisoner she's watching. We need us, and we need you. We'll be watching her back. Come on, time to stay alive. Ghost of Mars. August 24th, 2001. The budget was 28 million. Ooh, they took a hit. The box office was only 14 million. Well, it got my money. Ouch. <laughs> it got my money in the theater. Um, I uh, I was watching something when Ice Cube was talking about it. He said he just he won't watch it. He said it was just <laughs> he said it, it was terrible. And but then why'd you do it? <laughs> so, but I mean, I mean, it's not, I, like, he, it's not like he needed the check. I'd, I'd rather watch this movie than what was it? Triple X State of the Union. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, actors, you can't be in every blockbuster. I mean, um, I like Ice Cube. I like his music. I mean, some of his movies weren't, weren't the greatest. Yeah, like Triple X or whatever the hell that one was. Were they going to make another one with both of them? He uh, he showed up in the, the one Vin Diesel came back in. He had a cameo. That last one? Yeah. Fuck, I, I need to rewatch it. Oh, that's right at the end. Okay. I only seen it the one time. I know I got it somewhere somewhere here in the library. I'll have to, the steel book grabbed me and I went, alright, I'll buy it. Um I don't have the first two. That first triple X was garbage. As well as the second one. Um I think you I was like the snowboarding scenes? No. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what, what were you two thinking? I, I thought the last one was good. I mean, the Zeus when I went to see it. it we enjoy it. But anyway, that's another show. Ghost of Mars. Uh, long inhabited, inhabited by human settlers, the red planet has become the, a, become the manifest destiny of an overpopulated Earth. Nearly 640,000 people now live and work all over Mars, mining the planet for its uh, abundant natural resources. But one of these mining operations has uncovered a deadly mother load, a long dormant Martian civilization whose warriors are systematically taking over the bodies of human intruders. Brian, what did you think of John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars? Um, I know this is not a popular opinion, but I like this movie. I liked it when I seen it in the theater, and I still like it today. I know when I posted that I was watching it, people were like, why? <laughs> and I 
I like Ice Cube. Um, I thought uh, Natasha was in it. Henstridge was good in it. You know, I totally forget that Jason Statham is in here. Jason Statham with hair. That's how far this goes back. Uh, of course, you got the, the 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 lovely Pam Greer is in here. Not long, but it's good to see her in the movie. And I just thought that I I dug the action. I thought I thought this was uh, this was something a little a little different uh, from John Carpenter that that we were used to. And yeah, dug it. And I I, I like I said how the ward didn't feel like John Carpenter. This felt like John Carpenter from the action to just the way it was directed, the music and um, shit. Even what's his name shows up. Uh, Louis Skolnick from revenge of the nerds. Uh, what is his name? Uh, Robert Carity. <laughs> yeah. He, he pops up in here too. I'm, I'm just, I, I love it, man. I, I, I dug the action. Um, I thought it was kind of, I, I like the look of the the people, the the ghosts. I guess you would just call them that inhabited these people, and it, it made them cut themselves up and mutilate themselves and pierce themselves. I liked all of that. I fucking hated the way they talked, though. That you know, I, I it didn't even sound like a real language, really. And that was probably one of my few gripes with this. But I, I still love this movie. It was Martian talk. Uh, that's that's how they talk. Ah, ah. Um, I, I'm with you, man. This movie was fucking badass. I mean, I, I, people, I, I saw this at the end of its run. People were like, oh, that movie's garbage with John Carpenter's losing it. He needs to, he needs to retire. He needs to just stop making films. Uh, and I was like, man, I mean, what? It, it couldn't be that bad. It couldn't at this point, it couldn't be as bad as vampires. And I was like, all right, man. Uh, Again, I love Ice Cube. Uh, Natasha Hanstrud, she's badass. Species, if you guys don't know that, that check that one out. Jason Statham, he's badass in everything he's in. I love Celia Duvall. I know she pops up in a lot of uh, movies. Pam Greer, you can't uh, do this without Foxy Brown. Uh, and you also got uh, Dwayne Davis and Lobo Sebastian. Uh, Peter Jason, he pops up in a lot of John Carpenter's films. And he, he was the... The, not the conductor, the train operator, and then Robert Carradine. He's in it. He, he's badass. Um, but what surprised me in this film is uh, one of my homies uh, from Oakland. His dad is in this. Uh, his dad. His dad's name is Rodney A. Grant. He's a Native American actor. Uh, a lot of you know him as Wind in His Hair from Dances with Wolves, and I can't remember what his name was in Substitute. That's one we need to do. The substitute with the well, the first two, the one with Tom Berenger and then the one with Tree Williams. Those are the only two I liked. Uh, I didn't see. I only saw the first two. I think there was a third one. Didn't didn't uh, Uh, Tom Berenger come back? Oh, there's four. I think so. Ah, I guess we might have to fall down that hole. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Anyway, yeah. Um. My buddy, uh, uh, Kichita, in his in his language, that means warrior. I think that's a badass name. But anyway, yeah, um, when, when Rodney A. Grant popped up on the screen, I was like, well, what the fuck's he doing in this? But, I mean, he had, you got to act. You take uh, whatever you can take. Um, this film was actually filmed uh, on a, uh, I think it was an Apache reservation in uh, New Mexico. 
um, because there was a lot of uh, native extras in this. They were uh, the the Martian, the the guys that were all possessed by the ghosts. Because you can clearly tell uh, which ones were Native American. So I was all about that shit. Okay, I got to remind my friend about this film. Um, Bro, shit, he wasn't a substitute. He was Johnny Glades. Yeah, he was the bad guy in it. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> Uh, let me see. I'm trying to find uh, exactly where they filmed this. Um, let me see production. Um, much of the film was shot in New Mexican Gypsian. I don't even know what that is. Uh, uh the red Martian landscape. It doesn't say. It, I'm watching the extras is how I learned. Uh, that they had filmed it, uh, some of it uh, on a res, and um, I guess when they when they did uh, the uh, scouting for locations, uh, a lot a lot of a lot of stuff they built, uh, like the train and, and the buildings and everything on there, but uh, they found this nice little canyon where they just sprayed uh, like red colored uh, paint or whatever all over the rocks to make it look. And I'm sure the lighting helped as well to make it look like the angry red planet. So, but um, I love this film. I mean, I thought it was badass uh, from beginning to end. I mean, another thing that I love about this film, uh, other than John Carpenter help uh, write the music, he got some awesome musicians to to do the score. I'm a huge uh, thrash metal fan. Uh, and my all-time favorite uh, thrash metal band got to do the soundtrack, and that's Anthrax. So I was I was all totally on board. I do have this soundtrack. Also, they got uh, the great Steve Vai. Uh, he came in and did some guitar guitar tracks, as well as the uh, the legendary Bay Area legend Buckethead. He came in and uh, did some of the guitar work as well. If you have the Blu-ray or DVD, watch the extras when they show them. Uh, the, when they're scoring the film, so I, I thought that was that was really cool. I think that other than John Carpenter's name on it, I mean, like I said, Anthrax is my favorite band. Hearing that they were doing uh, the soundtrack, I, I was all on board. And speaking of them, uh, last uh, year's Texas Frightmare, I went to uh, the Anthrax panel because Scott Ian and Charlie Benante uh, were there at Texas Frightmare. Uh, it was their first time doing a panel, and everyone was just throwing. They were just throwing music questions at him and everything, but I threw the question at him. Like, how did you guys get involved uh, with John Carpenter? Uh, they were like, well, he kind of found us and said, can you guys help? And he was like, yeah, shit, well, fuck yeah, you're John Carpenter. We'll do it because they loved everything they had done up to this point. Uh, they didn't have good things to say about the film, but <laughs> they were like, we got to work with John Carpenter. So uh, that that was good enough. So, but. Um, I loved it. I mean, I loved it. This was a, a science fiction film, a science fiction action film. I guess you can throw a horror in it as well. I mean, I think mainly for the the appearances of the uh, the possessed uh, humans with the, with his Martian ghosts that are in them. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I did like how they looked. I mean, how uh, once they got possessed, they like lost it and they were cutting themselves and jamming nails and stuff into their faces and all that um i did like the uh the main dude that uh was the i guess assume the leader uh, of the martians um 
he had a stupid name. I mean, they didn't say his name in, in the movie, <laughs> but in the cre- in the credits, they called him Big Daddy Mars. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right. Um, because uh, a lot of them were just, the, the other, other credits were just um, minors. Um, uh, what's his name? Harry J. Knowles. Uh, you guys know him from, uh, what is it? What's his website? Um, ain't it cool? I don't. I don't think he's. Oh yeah. I don't think he's a part of that anymore. I think I don't know. Uh, he did a cameo in this. One of his heads was uh, on the spikes. Um, but I mean, this movie was badass for what it was. I mean, the action was good. Um, I loved everybody in it. Even and once Cube came into it, and he was just being the the hard ass that he was. I did, didn't really care for his wardrobe. But I mean, he—he's cute. He—he he does what he does. He's got this this one uh, tough ass gangster uh, character that he plays, and not in all his films, but I mean, majority of them. I mean, that's what uh, he—he's America's most wanted. Uh, if you haven't heard Ice Cube's first album, that to me, that's his the, the definitive Ice Cube. That album is is bad ass from beginning, every track from beginning to end. Um, but. I mean, everything in this, I mean, I thought everybody that had their parts in it, I mean, even Pam Greer, she's only in it for a little bit. She played Commander uh, Helena Braddock. I mean, I thought she she was good. She looked awesome in it. I loved uh, her her wardrobe. She had this badass long leather duster and, and fucking everyone had machine guns. Um, what's her name? Natasha Henstridge, uh, Lieutenant Melanie Ballard. She's just hot, period. No matter what she was doing in the film, she she looked awesome. Jason Statham, you guys all know him. He he played Jericho. He, he's badass and everything he's, he's in as well. But uh, there was some little side guys in it that you kind of really didn't know. So you, you knew they were going to die. But um, once uh, Ice Cube, his crew, comes into play, um, they have, their names were just Uno, Dos, and Tres. <laughs> That's what they called themselves. <laughs> um, Lobo Sebastian. Uh, he's done a ton of films. Uh, he's always uh, the gangster guy. I think I loved him most in um, that one movie with uh, Samuel L. Jackson when they were in that school. Uh, 187. Yeah, I liked him. He was uh, Benny Chacon. Uh, I liked him in that. And then there was another movie he had done. I want to say it was like Road Dogs, but I can't remember his name. He had some crazy name in that one. Uh, was that in the 90s or was that early 2000s? Um, oh, I'll go with the movie he did right after this in, in Road Dogs. He was Gramps, but he, he had done a, a ton of other films. So it was cool to for, for him when he popped up into it, as well as my buddy's dad. Uh, it was awesome to see him in it as well. Uh, the native representation uh in in on Mars so I thought, thought that was awesome but I mean this this whole movie was fucking badass I don't care what anyone says I mean I didn't um trying to think of something I didn't like I mean it was it was basically like a kind of like a space western the, these guys yeah. roll into this town and uh, trying to stop the bad guys, and there was awesome train scenes, and then the trains were always in in those westerns. You can even consider uh, the first film we talked about, Vampires. That was kind of like a western. I mean, you got you got the two the two good guys chasing down the bad guys out in the in the southwest. So that was totally a, a western, a horror western, if you want to call it that. But this is definitely 
uh, I would say a sci-fi western as well. It had that vibe, so I, I really enjoyed uh, all of that. And again, I can't really think of anything that that I didn't like in this film. It's goofy, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm not saying it isn't, but I mean, I really enjoyed this film. And do you have anything negative that that you can think of? Uh, other than the, as you put it, Martian talk. I didn't care for, but no, I I can't. I'm trying to find who was the one that was saying, "Why are you watching this?" I think it was Lance. I want to say it was Lance. Oh. <laughs> you gotta count Lance out, <laughs> brother, <laughs> brother Lance. You know I love you, bro. I'm you, you, I'm here for you. You know that, but come on. <laughs> Some of the stuff you like, oh, come on, win boy. But anyway. Um, what year does this supposedly take place? Um, 2176. <laughs> uh, this is what it says on IMDb. In uh, 2176, a Martian police unit is sent to pick up a highly dangerous criminal at a remote mining post. Upon arrival, the cops find the post has become a carnal, a carnal house. All right, whatever. Um... Yeah, I mean the, the basically um uh Lieutenant uh, Ballard uh, Melanie uh, Natasha Headstrid she is uh in uh she kind of wakes up uh, on a train and she has to go to court uh to or not court but she has to go to explain to the higher ups on what what happened because they were sent there to pick up uh, Ice Cube's character. I had, okay, that's something I didn't like. I didn't like his name. Uh, was it Desolation Williams? Was that his yeah. name? Yeah. I was kind of like, all right. She just called him Williams and left it at that. But Desolation, all right. I guess that's okay. I got another thing I didn't really like. Um, there, there's a scene when uh, um, the Melanie, Natasha, she gets uh, taken over by the aliens uh, when, when mm-hmm. one of the ghosts go in her ears and she kind of she sees. Well, what's happening uh, on who these aliens are? Um, I liked the design of the actual aliens that you see uh, in her vision, but whoever did the CGI for it, it didn't look good. I think that was one of, one of the things that that I didn't really care. They show it really quick, but it, it just it wasn't good uh, CGI work for for the actual how the Martians looked. So I was kind of like, eh, all right. I mean, if they didn't even if they didn't show that at all, or just didn't show what they look like, I would have been fine with it because I did like the. Um, uh, it looked like a mist, like a red mist. I, I thought that looked cool, um, and I liked uh, what the what what the how how they look, how they saw everybody. Like the the camera would be all red and kind of just. Not really in focus. I thought that that look when it was a PV cam, I thought that was cool. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think Desolation, I thought that name was stupid. And uh, the way they the actual Martians looked, I think those are the only two things that I didn't really care for. I mean, but it doesn't take anything away from, from what was going on. But anyway, so these team, they get sent there to go pick him up because he was uh, he got captured and he was being charged for all kinds of murders uh, on Mars that they knew that was the reason why they were going to go get him to bring him back to headquarters and uh, put him on trial for the murder of all these people that were, that were killed. 
Um, so, but when they get to, when they get there is when, um, I don't know why they didn't have, um, this is all in space and in, in the future. Why didn't they have like, uh, little spaceships to fly over there? They had to do it old school and get on the train. Yeah. How'd they get to Mars? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, but, but it was cool though. I mean, I, I did love the whole train aspect. It was total um, model because um, uh, in the beginning of the scene, when you see the train, you can clearly see it's just a little like a model train just on on a track. So I, I loved all that. It was practical. They didn't go the CGI route with that. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, but when they get there, they find out that the whole place is is, is like isolated. There's there's nothing because they said, "Well, it's Friday night. Where is everybody? They should be out here partying and banging hookers and doing drugs and and all this." Uh, but they don't they don't know what's happening in this. So they're they're kind of looking around and, and nobody's around because then they they all kind of break up and then they're, they're still looking for everything. Um, I kind of I liked um. When uh, uh, Melanie was telling the the higher ups her story, she would tell her story and show what she saw. And then when they yeah. when there was another character, and they're like, "Well, where were where was everyone else?" And then, well, uh, Commander Braddock, she was over here. But when she came back, this is what she told me. And then they show uh the perspective of what's happening from other characters like Jason Statham's character, Jericho. They show some stuff that he saw and, and the stuff Pam Greer saw. So I liked how how they were doing that, how it was all edited together and, and made the story uh go on. So I, I loved what was happening. But um why I mean they were still trying to find everything. That they, they found out they found Ice Cube, but he, he was locked up uh in a cell. And he doesn't. He didn't know much. He he really didn't know anything because he was he was like tied up, or in a cell while everything was went to hell outside. But uh, I liked this scene when uh, Jericho when that when they're asking him uh, what he had seen. He because uh, some some somewhere during the uh, of them looking for for just people and survivors or whatever. Um, they they didn't show. Uh, uh, Pam Grier's character died, did they? I mean, they just no. They, she just went off that her. way and disappeared, right? Fuck. Um. Oh yeah, they didn't. They just showed afterwards because that's when Jericho found her, uh, her head uh, on a spike because she saw uh, someone walking. He he saw someone walking away, so he followed him up this hill. But then at the top of that hill, on that little ridge, you see. Uh, all these spikes and there's all these heads and that's when we see uh Pam Greer's head on, on a on a spike so um yeah. that looked pretty sweet and that's when Jericho looked over and saw all the the um people there were there were all at this point they didn't know what was happening and and what they what was wrong with them cuz he was just looking at them like hey, I see all kinds of people up here but they're like hurting themselves and then they started killing each other and, and all this because they were like cutting off people's heads and uh the big uh big bad uh, daddy mars or whatever the hell his name was he's oh, yeah, whatever the hell he was saying <laughs> he could never just like talk normal he always had to yell in in martian or whatever <laughs> they were talking about so 
Uh, Jericho saw that those guys were loading up with uh, weapons. This was another thing that I really loved. The weapons that all those guys had. They didn't have guns or anything. They just made uh, swords and axes and, and everything. Like They just welded all kinds of shit together just to make uh, a weapon. So whoever whoever designed all those weapons, man, my, hat, my hat's off to you because I thought all that stuff was badass. I think my favorite weapon was the one that was... Um, look at I got a bunch of pairs of scissors and just welded them all together and made like this whole little spiky looking thing. I thought that was neat. Mm. So Jericho's like, fuck yeah, they come. So he ends up hauling ass back down to the bunker, but he's calling everyone on the radio like, fuck man, something's going down. We we we, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Because he rolls down there. Um, He, oh, this is when he finds uh, Ice Cube's crew. Uh, those three guys, because he kind of they they see him and and then he hides in one of the buildings and they kind of explained, uh, well, who are you? Well, we we were here and just fucking all this shit started happening, so we were just hiding because they knew that all those people were out there killing. Because then they tell him their story. Well, this is what we saw. We got here and we were, they were looking down uh, into that pit where Jericho saw and then. He said everyone was down there working, but then they saw this like that red mist come down and go into them. He goes, "Yeah, man, it just like took them over." But then we we took off before anything happened. But then when they said they came back later, they were like looking over, and he said all those people were just mutilating themselves. And they said whoever didn't uh, turn over or, or turn into whatever those things were, they they and they were killing them. So. Um, again, all the stories they were telling, I liked it because he meets them. Uh, Melanie, Natasha, and her crew—they find uh, again. They find Ice Cube, but then they find uh, a few more people uh, in a cell, and they were trying to ask them, "Well, well, what do you guys know?" And they were like, "Well, we don't know shit." And they said, "Well, ask this one. She she seems to know everything." So she was kind of like, "Well, I just showed up in a weather balloon, and uh, I'm stuck here." <laughs> Uh, but later we do find out that she she knows a little bit more uh, of the story because um, uh, Melanie, she's the lieutenant. She's kind of like, well, you need to fucking tell me what you know. And then she goes, well, I'm the one that caused all this. I'm the one that opened Pandora's box because then uh, again, they were all miners there. She told them the story. We we found this. They were they did some blasting in, in the side of this mountain and they found this um like a, a doorway, like a tunnel. And they said it looked like it had been there for who knows how long, and it wasn't made by us, well, the humans. So they went into it. Um, they walked way in, and there was like a, a wall, and there was all some kind of crazy alien writing or something on it. And then um, that chick, uh, that was Joanna Cassidy. She was Dr. Arlene Whitlock. She was looking at it at the the little uh, description, the, the little whatever writing that was on it on on the door or that wall. But when she touched it, it just like disintegrated. And uh, CGI wasn't the greatest, but it served its purpose. She touched it, and then there were it was like another long hallway. Then all of a sudden, you hear this, and then you see this like uh, look like smoke or something coming out. And they're like, "Oh fuck!" So everyone just goes hauling ass out of there and it was it was the I assume it was the tomb of the uh, of the ghosts um, the Martian ghosts because they came out and that's 
that was the red mist that came over and took over everybody because she said she got the fuck out of there before uh uh it, it got to her so but she 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 was she told them that she was the one that that, that unleashed it all but she didn't know what it was and she didn't know all this was going to happen so all right like everyone's kind of hip to okay this is what's happening and we need to stay away from it so um how did that one oh was that was one of those uh that old man was he already infected or possessed when they found him no um remember they found that that one chick that was hiding in the, the locker, she was all crazy. And then I think uh, Clea Duvall had killed her. And then the spirit went into the old guy. I think that's how it went down. All right. That's right. Because he was sitting there and then it went in his ear and then he just kind of perked up a little bit. But then they didn't do anything. But then before they actually let them out of that, uh, at that little cell, that's when they noticed that he was cutting himself and doing all that so they, they got them all out um but because uh the the doctor chick she told him she's like look fucking you can't kill him because whatever's in him comes out and that's when they're like oh what the fuck they, they didn't know what was going on that's when it went into um uh uh natasha's uh melanie uh, lieutenant B- B- ballard that's when it, it went into her ear and they're like oh fuck and then she kind of like just passed out but um, before all that, they uh, they let Ice Cube out, and then that's when uh, his three buddies showed up. And then uh, they showed up, and they kind of locked them up, and then they told him like, look, you guys need to, to help us, because if you don't help us uh, try to stop what's happening, I mean, it, we're all going to die. So Cube was like, all right, man, let's just let's team up with them. So what did... Were they all just making weapons after they all started to team up? Yeah, making what they could, a uh, little explosive, little grenades. Because that's, that's the scene where, uh, what's his name, uh, Lobo uh, cuts his <laughs> thumb off, trying to show off for the chick. What the hell was he sucking on? Drugs, I guess. Some kind of little little uh, nitrous thing. He kept sucking on that. And, um, yeah, you 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 know they got weird drugs in the future. They always come up with something weird. Yeah, whatever it was. I mean, it was obviously didn't give him took away the pain because yeah, when he was uh, they were basically just putting holes in those cans, uh, like cans of dog food or something, and they were sticking those little um, uh, they were like uh, like igniters. They didn't they didn't they didn't do nothing. Less, uh, well, they kind of made a loud pop. That was it. But they were making grenades out of those, throwing those in the in the cans. Yeah, that's when he he chopped the top off and ended up cutting his thumb off. But this part was kind of stupid. I mean, it, it makes me laugh because after he cut, <laughs> after Lobo cut his thumb off, Ice Cube was like, "Man, that's beautiful." I was kind of like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> but <laughs> we we didn't write it. <clears throat> I can kind of see how Ice Cube just didn't really care for this film. And I'm sure hey, working with John Carpenter and it was a check. But hey, you got to just go with it, man. You're an actor, man. You fucking, I mean, there is an audience for this film. It's not just Brian and I who love this film. There is a lot of other people uh, that love this. I mean, a lot of people didn't see it in the theater. They saw it afterwards. But 
Um, it is definitely in my library because I, I love this film. I'm still waiting for um, Shout Factory or one of these guys to to put out a new one. Uh, mainly Shout Factory because I love, like I said, I love when they do their uh, when they do their cover arts. I think that would be pretty sweet. And then they always load it up with extras because there ain't much on this disc. But so they all team up and they finally gonna tell them to all right. We're, we need to get to this train. And then uh, get the fuck out of her before all these guys end up trying to kill him. Um, shit, this is when I get lost. Cause after they after they loaded up with with everything, then then what happened? Did they get on the train? No, they they run to the train and it's not there. And they're kind of like, what do we do now? And that's when Ice Cube has his his bad moment where he just like kill them all. And he's running. You know, two machine guns shooting everywhere, and then they have the big fight. Some of this could have been because there was some slow motion. I I didn't think the slow motion was needed, but some of it was badass. But uh, like the Clea Du, no, I don't think it was Clea Duval. I know the random uh, random other guy. He gets killed, and uh, I think Lobo gets killed because I think he blows himself up. Yeah, he he died. Um, the big black dude, Dwayne Davis, Uno. He ended up getting taken down. Uh, the other officer, you, you didn't really know. He he went out kind of like a champ. He he was blasting up everyone. But when those those guys started throwing those uh, circular saw blades, because it took him to the leg, and then he took one to the throat, and then I think that's when that's when he went down. Because <laughs> uh, they all mobbed on him. Oh, but before before yeah. all the, before all this happened, uh, there was a scene when uh, they were still kind of looking around, um, and they uh, um, Jericho and uh, Melanie uh, Lieutenant they show they kind of uh, find this. Um, it looked like a little jeep or one of the little cars that they drive around in, and uh, they were looking at it because when uh, Lieutenant was explaining it to to the higher ups. She was like, yeah, there was a guy in there and he, he was like telling us like, don't, don't, don't come in here. Don't, don't let it out. And she was like, at that point, they didn't know what it was. Like that guy that was inside the little thing, he was, uh, it was in him. It was possessing him, but he still had enough uh, strength to like give them a warning. Like, don't, don't let it out. That's what he was saying. Cause they, they did go inside and and you can hear what he was saying, like, don't let it out. It's in here. And um, that that's when they at that point, they, they still didn't know uh, what was happening. But she had skipped over the whole scene when uh, the ghost went into her. When, when it went into her, into the lieutenant, uh, Natasha Hastridge's character, um, they didn't know what to do because they, they, they that lady goes, well, there ain't nothing we can do. So we, we got to get her out of here. They, other, they, I don't know why they didn't just kill her, but she's the star of the film. So they just put her outside, and then uh, um, she was taking some kind of mind-altering drugs. Uh, I don't know, some little pills, because she took one in the beginning of the film, and all she was seeing was um, waves, waves crash. Uh, all right. <laughs> but uh, when they, they took her out, and um, uh, Ice Cube gave, uh, well, hey, well, this is hers. It was her little necklace. And then Jericho goes, where'd you get that? And he goes, I stole it. And then so 
He goes, he goes, what is it? And he goes, oh, it's, it's, her, <laughs> it's her stash. So he ends up opening it up and he goes, all right, well, I'm going to give her one of these. Maybe she'll go out happy and maybe whatever's in her won't like it. So he, he dropped that pill in her mouth and then they went back inside. Uh, she's laying on the ground, like kind of twitching around. Her eyes are rolling back. She's seen uh, her, her vision, her high vision of waves. But then um, she started, that is when she started to see uh, the aliens. And this is when we, we see the, the crappy CGI of what the aliens actually look like. Um, and she was kind of seeing what, what the, what the aliens see, but then I guess that, that drug or whatever, the, the ghost, the, the, the alien ghost that the Martian ghost that was in her didn't like it. So it kind of just, she kind of sat up and just like, like she like threw up, but she threw up the, all the, the, the red mist, uh, the ghost or whatever, cause it, it came out of her throat and just went wherever. And then. That's when she kind of came to and was like, hey, I'm all right. And then she ended up sneaking back in there and pounding on the door. Hey, it's me. It's me. I'm good. I'm all right. And they're like, ah, she looks all right. So they just opened the door, let back in. This is when she told them uh, what she had seen, uh, what, the, what the Martians, uh, what they were doing. So that, and that is when they all loaded up with their weapons and then they went out and <clears throat> got to the train and nothing was happening. And that's when Q pulled out his guns and everybody excuse me started having their shootout uh, a lot of the people that they were with them they ended up getting killed but they all jumped on the train and, and they were hauling ass out of there but uh, the lieutenant kind of said look man we need we need to go back we need to just kill all of them before they get back to uh, I guess the next town over because I assume there was mining colonies all over all over Mars uh, at this point Mm-hmm. So then she goes, we got to go back and we, we got to just, we got to kill all of them before they get to uh, somewhere else. But then I was thinking if they did, well, I guess they did kill a lot of them, but then when you kill them, the ghosts just come out of the bodies, but I don't know. Anyway. Um, so yeah, they, it, they just basically made it so they can easily get across Mars. I assume that's what happened, especially at the end, but we'll get to that in a minute. They, uh, they kind of come up with a plan. All right, we're, we're going to stop here and we're going to kind of go in there. And the, basically that whole mining thing, that mining plant was like a, a nuclear bomb. So they were going to ignite it and then blow up the whole town. So, but they go there um, and they're, they trying to start the, the countdown for everything before it blows up. Cause I guess they gave them so much time within uh, the, the blast radius that we need to be this far away or we're going to die too. So, but that, that plan, I mean, they ended up uh, lighting it up and everything, but then as they're trying to um, get back on the train, this is when the, pretty much uh, the rest of the crew uh, gets killed because um, the big daddy Mars, he sees them and then because the, they get off, off the train, but then the train kind of goes back to that little station and they're all jumping on it, pounding on it. And it was basically a diversion so they can run in and, and get that bomb going. So but big daddy Mars sees them. So everyone he starts or whatever the fuck he was saying <laughs> and, and everybody goes running after him. Uh, I like this part because uh, what's her name? Uh uh, Sela, she's like just 
you see just gunning down fools. They're, they're throwing grenades. Everybody's just firing everywhere. Um, the CGI wasn't the greatest right here because she gets uh, one of the circular saws to her, her neck and cuts her head off. It, it's, it looks dumb, but hey, uh, late 90s CGI. She ends up getting killed. Uh, Jericho gets like swarmed because he's out there. He's shooting, but then he runs out of bullets. And then that's when uh, all those uh, those dude Martian dudes just like rush him, and then he can ah he falls down, and you just see them hacking away at him. They don't they don't show the aftermath of him, but he ends up getting killed. Um, uh, what's his name? Robert uh, <clears throat> Robert Carradine got killed. All the Ice Cube's guys got killed. The big the big black guy got killed. Um, uh, the Indian guy Rodney Grant he got killed. He he got like. I think he got hit in the shot or something. I don't know. Stabbed with something. He ended up dying when they were inside. Uh, Lobo, he ended up getting killed. Uh, the other officers, uh, Robert Carradine, he got he took a, a circular saw blade to the throat and he fell out. Um, how did the, the driver of the train get killed? Do you remember? No, I think somebody got on the train and got him. No, he got off the train. He jumped out because he was trying to help shoot, and then he got hit with, I don't know, spears or something. And because he, I remember him falling down when he was outside. So, the whole train crew is dead. <laughs> the, the, well, there was only two guys on it. Those two are dead. Uh, they all jumped on um, Ice Cube and the lieutenant. They because their whole crew was dead. Everyone's dead. It was. It just came down to those two. They jumped on the train, uh, but then some of the. Uh, uh, the the alien guys, warriors, they all jumped on the train too because Ice Cube was fighting them and everything. And then he kind of got to the back uh, of the train. And they were like, they were trying to haul ass out of there before the whole thing blew up. And I guess they were dragging too much weight. So they were going to disconnect uh, the rest of the cars so they can get away. Because Ice Cube was fighting uh, Big Daddy Mars and kind of kicked him over into the next uh, train. And then he pulled the pin and then that train car uh, fell apart. And as they're as they're going away, you see uh, Big Daddy Mars, and then <laughs> the whole place blows up. Big Daddy Mars. <laughs> I, that, we don't know his name until you see it in the credits. Uh, there, nobody said that uh, that name in this whole film. But <laughs> so I hear Big Daddy Mars and all his crew. They all end up uh, blowing up. Ice Cube is talking uh, to the lieutenant and like telling her like, cause she got hurt. She uh, I think she got like stabbed or cut or something. So she's laying there uh, in uh, in her bed and he's kind of like, ah, you'll be all right. We'll just stitch you up and you'll be you'll be good to go. But he ends up handcuffing her to the bed and telling her, goes, look, man, I can't let you take me in. I need to get out of here. So she she pulled a gun on him. But uh, she wasn't going to kill him. So she's like, ah, fuck. So he ends up jumping off the train. And that's in the, the beginning of the film when the train gets to the end of the line. And that's when they find her. So she's still sitting there telling them the story. And they go, well, she goes, that's it. And But then they, the, the, the council or whatever wasn't believing her. So she was telling them, what, you expect us to believe all that shit? And they're like, well, that's what happened. If you believe me, you believe it. But she ends up basically end up locking her up. Uh, until they really figured out uh, what was going on, because I guess they were saying they were going to send uh, some more a, a more crew over there to see uh, what what was left. But then while she's sitting in there, 
uh, did you start hearing explosions and everything? Yeah, um, explosions, and I, th- I think you start um, hearing some gunfire too. Yeah, because she's sitting in there. She don't know what the hell. She's sitting in the cell. She doesn't know what's, what's happening. And then the fucking door busts bust open, and here comes uh, Desolation Williams. And uh, he kind of gets her out and gives her some. I don't know where he got these chrome-looking machine guns. They're like extra shiny. He gives her one and goes, all right, uh, it's time for us to do what we do best. And they go, all right. And then I can't remember the dialogue. It says something stupid. And then Ice Cube looks at the camera as they walk off, and then the the movie's over. Uh, <laughs> I, I just assume that um, all the ghosts, uh, all the, everyone that the, their bodies, their hosts, they blew up in the blast, and then they all got out and made it uh, to where they were, and then infected everybody and then all held breaking loose outside so i i had just assumed uh that's what happened and then they don't know what uh happened to desolation williams or uh lieutenant ballard because they just assumed they went out there and started killing and, and got the hell out i was i was kind of hoping for uh a second one to maybe she became bad and she she was a criminal and they're still trying to fight uh their way off of mars but we we never got another one. We don't we don't know uh, what happened to them. But again, I thought this movie was fucking awesome, and I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, badass movie. I do now that we're talking about it. I do question his motives for coming to get her after he couldn't even go nowhere near where she was going, and he showed up with a new outfit and and chrome machine guns and. It was weird he gave her one because that just seemed like you just got to keep the set. So I don't know. Yeah, why did he 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 go get her? I mean, well, he obviously trusted her because she let him go. So, and how did he know where she was? I don't know. I mean, these these are a lot of questions we're not going to get yeah. any answers from, but. Yeah, and this is the most lax police force ever. He got in there by himself. Yeah, well, I guess it would have been easier because he just, all hell was breaking loose outside. So he just easily uh, roll right in there. But I I don't know. I mean, I wish they would have kind of showed some of that. But we didn't uh, see anything like that. Um, I, I was thinking, um, like in Aliens, they they built those big old giant uh, air filtration things to make the air breathable, because they did mm. mention that in this, because they were like, yeah, that whatever they're using to make the air breathable is it, it works, but you you got to get used to it, because they said it was going to give you a bad headache and everything, but nobody. Seem to have headaches. I know they had. They said, "Okay, wear whatever, whatever, so you won't get those headaches." And I don't know what that was. I mean, you didn't see. I mean, all they had were goggles on. I mean, they didn't stick anything up their noses. But I, I don't know. But um, let me see. Much of the location shooting was done on a gypsum mine near. Albuquerque, New Mexico, the gypsum, which was almost pure white, was sprayed with 
a biodegradable red food dye and gave the appearance of the Martian landscape. All right, that's what they sprayed all over them. So, but yeah, they shot it some of it on uh, some res. I, I can't remember the the tribe that's out that way, but um, it it was what it was, man. I mean, I loved it. I mean, it's definitely a good uh, sci-fi shoot 'em up. Um, pretty graphic violence uh, in this, especially when when they're cutting heads off and all that and everything. Or basically, or basically like self-mutilating themselves because they were shoving like nails and mm-hmm. all kinds of shit in their face and in their necks. Uh, I just again, whoever uh, designed the weapons and whoever came up with um, the design for the for the looks uh, of uh, of the possessed people, possessed humans, uh, I thought they all looked pretty good. Um. I'm reading here. Uh, this is interesting right here. In 96, the script to Ghost of Mars originally started as a potential Snake Plissken sequel entitled Escape from Mars. <sighs> yeah, I remember hearing that before. Um, Why not? <laughs> it couldn't have hurt. We already got it. Escape from LA. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't have hurt. It would have been cool to see Snake Plissken again. Um, okay, I didn't see this trailer. It says the narrator on the trailer was Keith David. Uh, David Keith. Uh, I, I never <laughs> saw that trailer. I mean, if you guys know Keith David and David Keith, uh, the running joke here at the Horror Returns Network. <laughs> um. <laughs> Who, what were you guys talking about when that all erupted? We was doing a, uh, I think it was a John Carpenter retrospective where we were just talking about him and his movies. And I think Lance was talking about the wrong person and then went into this whole story about how somebody was dead and then we just started googling stuff and then we were just like no you're talking about the wrong guy and (laughs) we went into this whole rabbit hole of googling and clicking on stuff and wikipedia and (laughs) i don't even remember what episode that is everyone you have to go back and find it it's way back what what uh how many episodes have you guys done now uh, we just recorded, I think, uh, one thirty-three. Okay. Yeah, well, we're about to hit two hundred uh, with the E Society. Uh, Should have been out by now, everyone, but you know how it goes well, with us at the E Society. We do it when we can, but it's coming. Hopefully, um, I can hook up with the Zisu and throw that one out pretty soon. But. Vampires, John Carpenter's Vampires and John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. Um, if you guys have not seen this, I would say watch Ghost of Mars first, then Vampires. Definitely watch both of them. I mean, um, they are what they are. But Ghost of Mars, I think that one's uh, more on my high ups uh, of John Carpenter films. Well, Maybe after all the 80s stuff, then I would put this one because there was there was just way too many good ones in the 80s uh, dealing with John Carpenter. So uh, anything else before we get out of here? 
No, I agree with you. Um, if you're going to watch them, watch this one first. Uh, more action, uh, better cast. And, um, yeah, I, I think this is that that's the way to go. We watch uh, this one and then, uh, of course, watch John Carpenter's uh, Vampires. And The Ward, if you guys find it. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Why don't you let nah, everyone know what we're covering? <laughs> Why not you let everyone know we're covering uh, next week? Next week we are going to cover American Ninja One and Two, with uh, I believe starring uh, Michael. What is it, Dudikoff? All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've only seen the first one. I don't think I've seen. Uh, the other ones. How many did they make? You know? Who knows? It's like probably like four or five of them. I don't know if we'll go down that rabbit hole, but. All right. Okay. There's American Ninja, American Ninja 2, The Confrontation, um, American Ninja 3, Blood Hunt. Doesn't look like the, the first guy's in it. Uh, he comes back for American Ninja 4, the Annihilation. Then, oh, that's something else. Oh, American Ninja 5. Um, <laughs> he ain't in that. <laughs> Someone else again. But, uh, uh, right, yeah. Um, this would definitely be awesome because I have not. You know what? I think the only time. Well, no, I saw. I remember when it hit cable. But I did see this in the theater. But we'll get into that more when uh, we cover it. Um, but if you guys want to watch it and enjoy, enjoy the conversation, they're both streaming on uh, Amazon Prime if you have that. So, yeah, get ready for uh, uh, American Ninja. I, I'm i excited because I, I do not remember that movie <laughs> at all. So uh, it would be, be like watching it for the very first time. Uh, again, everyone, thank you so much uh, for listening uh, do go back if you're new to the action returns. Go back. 17. Shit, I didn't even realize how many. What was the first one we did? You remember? Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, 48 hours and uh, what was it? Another Die Hard 3. Was it? Yeah, because we did the uh, Unlikely Partners. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, the 17 episodes, 16 episodes, <laughs> <laughs> plus this one. Uh, back to shit, man. We're, we're doing pretty good. I didn't. I, I thought we were still in the single digits, but all right. Um, yeah, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Do go back and listen to all the, uh, the older episodes. Uh, if you're new to listening to our show, uh, uh, The Action Returns, always got to check out uh, The Horror Returns and everything they, they got going on over there. Um, I've said this before. Um, thank you for letting me uh, be a part uh, of the, the Horror Returns family. Uh, Brother Lance and Brother Philip, you guys rock. And uh, yeah, be back next week and definitely come back again. So until then, party on. Yep, and uh, just to announce, uh, we will. It's not up yet, but we will have a Instagram and Twitter account. I just got to set it up uh but for now uh join the action returns uh facebook group and until next week keep safe everybody <laughs> <laughs>